Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. On this episode, we had Randy Wilburn. He's a speaker. He's a serial podcaster. He's somebody who has been really giving me good advice since day one of the business. I think you're going to enjoy hearing some of his insights today. If you're ready for some good advice, stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. I'm sitting down with, here's the deal. I know I say people are good friends of mine, but this guy and me, we go, we, I don't say we go way back. We don't go way back, but we go back to the start of good advice. I have a guy who's been an incredible leader in my life, a great mentor in my life. He's a serial podcaster. He's a leader in the design industry. I got Randy Wilburn here with us today. Randy, thanks for joining the podcast. Man, it's my pleasure, Blake. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. It's it, you know, it's funny, and I said this before we started recording. It's like, man, like, why did I not think to have you on the podcast sooner? Because <laughs> um, you really are a serial podcaster, and you right. know, I know you got a couple of podcasts rolling right now. I know you've spoken at uh, a podcast conference in the past, and really, actually, you know, what's funny is, man, I think it was two or three years ago. I heard you speaking. You were like, man, people need to get in on voice. They right. got to go all in on voice. Yeah. And it's funny how I guess you know what you're talking about because yeah. now it's funny how I'm just seeing the trend continue to explode. Yeah, everybody's talking about it too. I mean, from Gary Vaynerchuk to, uh, I mean, just you know the the leadership of Spotify, which has really gone all in on podcasting. I think voice is really important when you look at all of the different um, speakers um, or listening speakers, as we like to call Alexa and Google Home. Those those um, those units are are you know they are everywhere. You look at how many um, echoes are in people's homes and the simple things that you can do with mm -hmm. them. I've, I've been training people now for my podcast to say, hey, if you want to listen to me on Alexa or Google, just say, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of and fill in the blank podcast. And there you go. And and it's yeah. it's it's like that. And if you have set your podcast up properly, it's going to play it, you know, and that's the wow. beauty of it. And that's what technology is. And I, I think that by what is the statistic says that by 2024, 2025, all of our search will be voice. Mm. So that's just five years away. Yeah, which is incredible. It is. It is. Yeah. So it's. Well, and something else that's really interesting about this, too, is, you know, you have you have the um, how voice is becoming so prolific, but also like in terms of like, I guess, customer perception or user perception, because you, you also gave me a nugget a few years ago. And what was funny for the listeners uh, I had Randy, I was doing this leadership development program and I had Randy come out and share with some executives, uh, really just, it was honestly just perspective on leadership, but also kind of strategy and just things right. to be thinking about. And you had this great gym you said on, you know, we talk about voice and people are like, well, no one's ever going to be fully on board with that. You know, it's not really going to click. And the gym you said was, man, people said the same thing about Uber. Right. People were saying, well, you know, my 50, there's no way someone's going to let their 15 year old jump in a car with a stranger right. and get a ride somewhere. <laughs> And yet, 
It Man, happens I, every five seconds. I, I was talking to a parent the other day who said, my kid doesn't have their driver's license because they just ride share, they Uber, they jump in with a friend, which is so wild to me. It is. And it, just, it is. Culture just changes so fast. It does. It really does. It's so funny. Yeah. And I just, I think that um, you can either be on the right side of it or the wrong side of it. Yeah. And I think for what we do, uh, and I say we, I'm, I'm, I'm using you know, uh, collectively, all of us that are doing podcasting and, mm-hmm. and that are sharing and exchanging ideas through this medium, mm-hmm. um, it's. I think we're st- we're still at the 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 beginning stages. Mm. So it's going to be interesting it, to see you, what happens. You know, what's also interesting about just from a pure content perspective, it's like the engagement numbers I'm seeing around podcasting. Where like people are putting research out talking about because you know we all we all know whenever it comes to like Facebook you know, uh, LinkedIn, whatever platform there is, you know, people are just scrolling right. and they're, they see something and they, they pause for just a split second. Yeah. And especially, you know, that's why you have people who they run real, um, bombastic ads that maybe sometimes don't even relate to their product. Cause they're trying to, you know, Hey, me, 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 you know, Shock see me. and capture attention. Yeah. But what's crazy about podcasting is how it's like, well, who would listen to 45 minutes of a podcast? And like the, the data is telling us that people actually, and, and maybe it's because you can do other things at the same time, but yeah. people are really, man, they're latching on to content from a voice perspective and they're staying engaged even when the interaction isn't directly to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, I always joke, I listen to podcasts while I'm in the shower, while I'm driving. <laughs> no, legitimately. Yeah. So if I'm listening to some normally, because my routine in the morning is after I've, I've done my morning routine, I work out. And after my workout, of course, I want to shower and get ready for the day. And usually I'm listening to something at during the workout. So as soon as I go into the shower, I just put my Bluetooth speaker in there and I go, go to town. I can't do that with YouTube. Mm. I mean, I guess I could theoretically, yeah. right? Mm. I could just listen to it, but but, you know, and, and some people do, but I would just say that the, the crux of the matter is simply that you just you have you have so many different ways to share that information, mm-hmm. uh, to share voice specifically and to share podcasting. And it's the same way that we, you know, we, we listen to music, but but there's just the thing about podcasting that's so great is that. For me, it's 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 an issue of edification of just I'm constantly learning something new. Mm-hmm. So as much as I have a voracious appetite for reading, I have a, a voracious appetite for listening, mm-hmm. and that listening just drives a lot of what I'm doing. And so I'm really excited about that. And that's just that's mm-hmm. just the way that I look at it. So. Now I, I want to dig into your podcast because I. I mean, <laughs> it's already tough enough for for someone to run one podcast oh, consistently. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that you have two podcasts that that really, when we talk about Gary Vee, there's there's not a lot of like content crossover in the sense of you know your your I am Northwest Arkansas. You're bringing on people. You have encourage, build, grow, which is a bit of a different angle in terms right. of who you're talking to and, and what you're doing. You know, man, what's what's been this? I mean, what's the secret sauce here? I mean, how do you how do you build and maintain? Because we know plenty of people who build a podcast. Mm -hmm. And like you and I talked before we started recording, they fizzle out, they disappear or they say, hey, I have a podcast. And then you look and, you know, it's about to be February and their last episode was in October. Yeah. (laughs) Or or here's something interesting. One guy I was looking at uh, because I was just we were talking about his podcast and the last eight months have been repostings of the first eight months. Yeah. And so yeah. it says like replay and then, you know, and so he's just working those clicks, I guess. But Right. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. And I always tell the same joke whenever I, I do training, um, when I, tr- I train design professionals, so think engineers, architects, environmental 
planners, um, people that do, deal with the built environment, I'm always telling them that, you know, if you're going to be social, be social, right? And the joke is, I remember one firm that we looked at and they were like, yeah, well, we have social media presence. And we went to their Twitter account and they were like, we're taking the Twitter world. So-and-so company is taking the Twitter world by storm. This was back in 2012. And this was like 2016. And they were like, yeah, we have Twitter and, and all that. And I mean, you can have all of that, but if you don't use it, then it's, it's, it's rendered moot. Mm-hmm. And I think that with, specifically with podcasting, I think the magic number is like seven episodes. So if, if anyone listening to this is thinking about doing a podcast, you, you want to at least get several under your belt and before you even roll out, because I think it kind of helps the momentum factor. Mm-hmm. If you just constantly look at it, because it is it can be somewhat of a chore um, just because there's a lot of work involved. Nobody mm-hmm. sees what you do on a regular basis, Blake, mm-hmm. to get this great podcast that you do out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have really great guests. Um, there are show notes involved. Mm-hmm. There's editing of the actual podcast. There's just making sure that the sound is right so it's not offensive to anyone's ears. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. I tell people all the time, I listen to a podcast episode two or three times before I actually even put it out. Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's part of it. And I think that scares a lot of people away. And my simple advice would be, um, if you're going to try it, you're going to do it, I, I think you just need to be willing to be all in and then figure out a set of systems that work for you. I have an editor, but I can also edit. I, you know, I, there are, I have somebody that can do my show notes for me, but I also do them. So you've got to be willing to do all of that stuff. And for some people, it's probably better for you to, to be everything, right? The cook, the, the dishwasher, you, you know, you got to clean up, sweep up, bust the tables and all that. When you think of it from that perspective, um, it's, it's a one man show mm-hmm. or one woman show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you have to be all in, but here's the thing. If you, like you've done, uh, if you find that happy place where you're able to create some great content that is not only engaging, but also life affirming for people. And the beauty is that you just never know who you're going to reach and you could reach them in such a strong way that it, it, it's, it can be life changing. That for me is the fuel that I use to, 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 to do both of my podcasts. And both of my podcasts, like you said, are widely different. Mm-hmm. I Am Northwest Arkansas focuses on the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in the Ozarks. I simply created it because I wanted to meet more people. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn more about this area that I lived in because I spent more time on the road than I did here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Now I'm you know 50 episodes, 50 plus episodes in, I know a lot of people. Uh, I'm telling a ton of stories and I, it's it's like addictive for me. I'm like I'm constantly looking for the next interview. And now I like I look at my schedule and, you know, I'm like, you know, at like a month or two in advance. I have I have episodes in the in the hopper. And then I have like at any given point in time, I usually have like 10 to 12 episodes pre-booked interviews that I'm scheduled that are out there in the future. So that's just the way it is. And then on my Encourage Build Grow podcast. Because, I mean, this is not a podcast about podcasts, but just to tell you that, and that's that's focuses on leadership, communication and personal development for design professionals. So with that same industry, I've spent almost 20 years within the design industry uh, consulting. I've done recruiting. I've done all of that for design professionals. And one of the biggest shortcomings that I've seen with design professionals has been the issue of, you know, just real leadership education and real education in the area of communication. 
Um, and then, of course, just taking care of themselves. So that's why the whole personal development piece. And that's just for anybody, right? It doesn't, I don't care what, what vertical, what industry you're in. If you're not taking care of yourself, like I always tell people, a drowning man can't give swimming, a drowning man or woman can't give swimming lessons. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've got to be, you know, you've got to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Then once you do that, then you take care of your family. Then you move into your company and take care of what's happening there. But too often I see people burning the candle on both ends and not mm-hmm. doing the things that are necessary for themselves in order to be the best version of themselves, then they can go out and wreck the world. Mm-hmm. And Let, let's let's dig in a little bit on that in the sense of like leadership and communication, because there, there are two powerful words. I would venture to guess, and I don't know how true this is in the design space, because I haven't really worked much in the design space. Mm-hmm. I know in other industries, you have people who, those are buzzwords that people, they latch onto. And, uh, you know, everyone thinks that they're the one who's good at that thing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like leadership. Oh, I need leadership for my employees. Well, really, you need leadership for you. Right. Because your employees are drowning. Yeah. Or, you know, I need people to communicate better. I'm a great communicator. And then it's like, it's either no, you're actually abrasive or you're just really vague. (laughs) Right. I had a boss one time who he would sit us in our Monday meeting and he would say, and he was a creative, but he was also an executive. But so his his language was always so um, abstract that at the end of it we'd kind of be like, man, what do you? I don't I don't even really know what you've just told me to go do. Right. Right. And so it help me help me unpack that a little bit. Like, what exactly are you getting at when you say you know leadership and communication are two areas to really dig in and develop? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because again I think in in the workplace you know you have two different types of individuals that are called to to deal with people. You have managers. Right. Coaches, uh, uh, people that work work with you from a technical perspective. And then you have leaders, people that actually lead you um, and, and they oversee typically oversee all of the things that a business is normally doing in whatever area that they work in. But when I look at like someone that's a manager versus someone that is a leader, when I think of leaders, I think of, of a person that is working themselves out of a job. Now, I don't say that to say that the individual is going to be fired at some point in time. What I'm saying is that a good leader is constantly developing other people in the area of leadership so that they can replicate themselves in other people, that they can show other people the way, uh, if you will, and and help them to kind of develop themselves in all their areas where there might be shortcomings. And we all have them. And then that's the, the, the beauty, beautiful part of it is that no leader is perfect. And even a leader is a work in progress, right? They're continuing to develop, but they can't, they can never develop if they aren't constantly pouring into somebody else. And you can't constantly pour into somebody else unless you're learning something new. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like that, that they, you know, you, you, you've seen that a lot of people have seen that, um, you know, they'll show the visual example of pouring into a glass and then over over after a while, if that glass doesn't have something that is open and let that water flow through to somebody else and it just overflows and it goes it goes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And when you think of it from a leadership perspective, you got to constantly be developing yourself. Mm-hmm. to be a leader in every area. Communication is just one of them, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But in every facet of what leadership means, um, you have to be developing yourself, how you interact with people, how you listen. I think real leaders are great listeners, mm-hmm. active listeners, not hearers, because there is a difference. And I think it's important for individuals to start really fine-tuning and developing that and figuring out what their weaknesses are so that they can be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So for what I like to think about from a leadership perspective is just, you know, understanding the science of leadership and all that. I mean, leadership has been studied since about the 30s. 
uh, of the last um, century. And, you know, we still are learning about leadership, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we have hundreds of years. I mean, we've looked at, you know, great people in history and looked at some of their contributions to history. But when you think of like, can can we really understand what this is all about? It's we only have a very small window mm-hmm. of of examples. Mm-hmm. And so I think of people like Peter Drucker and, and other people that talk about management and talk about leadership, Ray Dalio, leadership principles. And these individuals, I mean, they're still figuring some things out. Ray Dalio's a billionaire and doing amazing things with his company, but he's even he acknowledges that I'm learning new stuff every day. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be mindful of that and know what our weaknesses are. And I think too many leaders are out there kind of strutting around yeah. like a peacock, and 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 when in reality they 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 are struggling as much as the people that, that they're leading, and well, that's a problem. And you know, it's it's this weird balance too because it's you know you and you can be confident in what you're doing, obviously, you know, especially when you're especially gifted. But I think you're spot on. There's these two these two points of you have the person who's really ego driven, who thinks that they are mm-hmm. you know they run the show, right? When when really it's in spite of them that yeah. the company continues to function. Yeah. But on the flip side, you also have this person, and, and in my mind. These are two negatives on the same coin, I guess. You have the person who maybe they aren't ego driven, but they are apathetic. Yeah. They and because even listening to you, I and I've known you, and I know you have the appetite and you have the drive, you have the hunger. It's part of the reason why you've put these podcasts together is because you're trying to replicate into someone else, even a listener who's maybe never met you before. But not everyone has that that hunger, that drive, that that motive to man. I have to get better. I have to develop this. I have to understand this better. How do you develop that spark in somebody where they're like, man, I can't, I can't stay the same. I have to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and I think I, I'm going to answer that question. I, I do just to get back to the whole leadership piece. Um, I, I, I do want to say that you know part of the the challenge I think is that people don't take time to learn the type of leader that they are, mm-hmm. and that there are a lot of different types of leaders. And you, you need to understand some of the main, you know, um, um, autocratic leader, um, a task-based leader, um, a, um, a servant leader, mm-hmm. a charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a democratic leader, a laissez-faire leader. There's all different types of leadership styles. I think people need to first understand what their leadership style is. I, and I miss one. That's transformational leader. And um, once you understand your leadership style, then I think it's um, you can be true to yourself because I'm not suggesting that, again, it's w- with regard to leadership styles, it's not one size fits all, just like personalities. Your personality is different than mine, right? But you have your strengths and I have my strengths. As a leader, it's incumbent am- upon me if we're working together for me to, A, know what my strengths and weaknesses are. And mm-hmm. if my weakness is your strength, then I need to be able to have, I need to be leverage that. Leverage that. And, yeah. and again, mm-hmm. like you said a second ago about the ego, mm-hmm. not let the ego get in the way. Because mm-hmm. as Ryan Holiday says, ego is the enemy. And I've learned that more as I've gotten older. I mean, I'm 50 now, but I, I have just learned to subvert my ego and, and push it down so that I am humble enough to come to people, even people that are much younger than me and say, hey, I need help with this. That's the mark of a great leader. It's like, I know I don't know everything. Nobody does. And so, you know, we, we still get people that, that act as if they have it all figured out. 
And to me, the mark of a great leader is someone that has the humility to know that they don't mm-hmm. and to know when to ask for help and when to say, hey, I need you on my team to work with work with me because you bring some things to the table that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And because I, I mean, you don't want to. It's just like in business, two people that have the same personality sometimes end up canceling each other out. Mm-hmm. But then when you find those those opposites do attract as far as that's concerned, sometimes that's the that's the case in marriage. But. Um, you know, those are some things that you, you you have to kind of think about. And then getting back to your initial um, request, which was simply, um, what were you, you just just creating that appetite, right? Or I'm becoming sorry, a sorry. even becoming a person who has that appetite, right? See, even I I can forget things when I'm in the middle of a bunch of different <laughs> ideas or thoughts. But just creating that appetite, I think it's important to to I think. You know, Simon Sinek, and I don't want to just keep rattling off different names, but Simon Sinek, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. And I think the game changer for me was several years ago when I saw his TED talk about, you know, start with why. Mm-hmm. Determine the why. Everybody has a why. So even, even as an individual, there is something that drives you. You may not know it. I think a lot of people end up going to their grave never figuring it out. That's why they say that the richest place in the world is the graveyard because it's full of untapped potential. Mm. Right. But the bottom line is with regard to, you know, if you take time to understand your why, which a lot of times we don't take the time to do because we're just too busy with everything else. When I spent time really going through that golden circle that Simon talks about and understanding my why and what really drives me, I realized that there were a couple of key things that really just kept me going on a regular basis. And once I identified those, I was off to the races. And so I've tried to align everything I do around that my why, Mm -hmm. you know, which is really to educate and encourage others to be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, whatever that looks like, that could look a number of different ways. I can train people and help them with that. I can tell them stories that would get them excited about themselves and, you know, maybe decide to go off and do something and replicate what I'm sharing with them in story. Uh, it, It can it serves a number of different, it, it shows up a number of different ways. I think people don't take the time to figure out that why, mm-hmm. because we get caught up trying to chase money. We chase titles. There's a lot of other issues that we chase and, and a lot of things that when all is said and done really don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And from a, from a leadership perspective, capturing that why, I mean, what really drives you Will, will serve you better than anything else because it will become your compass. And it ultimately is the true north that you need to have in your life in order to determine where you're going next, where you're headed, and, and who do you need to bring with you, right? And I think that's the, that's the problem. Too many people are just wandering around aimlessly and not quite, you know, just never quite figuring it out. And that's, and that's sad. And, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and here's the thing, Blake, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Um, it's never too late to figure it out. So mm-hmm. I get a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm in my fifties or I'm, you know, I've hit midlife and I don't, this is never going to happen. Um, but you know, the, the reality is, is that it's never too late mm-hmm. and you can figure it out. Colonel Sanders, Harlan Sanders figured it out at 65. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you know, Peter Drucker wrote two thirds of all of his books after 65 years of age. Wow. Some of us get revelation and understanding at different points and times of our, in our lives. We all want to be Mark Zuckerberg, but we all can't be a 21 or 22 or 23-year-old that that identifies and creates a, a, a network or a program that, you know, a, a third of the world gravitates towards. That's not, I mean, that's, you know, he's a one in a, a billion shot. 
But the simple fact that you're here and the, you know, what is it, the 400 trillion odds to one that, that you would actually be born, you're obviously here for a reason. So you've got to make the most of it. And so what I encourage people to do from a leadership perspective is to really define their why, what really drives them. And for some people, that's a tough conversation because the reality of their why may ultimately cause them to have to go in a totally different direction, which is very painful to do. Yeah. Nobody wants to go down one road and be, you've been, you you know, and we're men, right? So as men, you know, we like to think we know where we're going. Mm-hmm. But invariably, whenever we realize and our wives or whomever else is with us tells us you've gone the wrong way, we're pissed off. We're upset. We're like, oh, my God, how could this happen? And it's like you don't even want to turn around. You just want to keep you just want to keep going the, other, the wrong way because mm-hmm. you just want to prove a point. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's a very dangerous thing to do in life mm-hmm. is to prove a point and go down a road that you're really not meant to go down. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the challenge that I see a lot of people deal with. And it's one of the reasons why I have made a number of switches in my life in terms of um, not just career, but where I worked and what I wanted to do and, you know, the, the things that I thought were most valuable to me. And, and so even right now at this place in my life, I, I think it's important that I stay true to myself. And I don't think enough people do. But the mark of a great leader is someone that can really understand their calling understand what drives them and gets them going on a regular basis. And they can stay true to themselves and at the same time enable others to be super successful in the process as well. And then that part of it is where the active listening comes in, the communication, all of that. I mean, they all marry into each other, but you show me a great leader, I'll show, I mean, a really great leader, I'll show you a great listener. I'll show you someone that's keenly observant of their surroundings, someone that probably doesn't struggle as much with um, ego, um, someone that's that's that that operates with a level of humility that not everybody has. And then also someone that knows what their weaknesses are Mm -hmm. and are willing to, you know, allow them to be known so that they can make sure that they bring other people around them that can help them. It feels like uh, it feels like social media, which which. Man, there's it's it's a blessing and a curse, and some yeah. days more of one than the other. It feels like social media has made that tougher for the average leader in the sense of being able to disconnect mentally and mm-hmm. reflect and think on these things. Because you know, and we, you and I have talked about this before of like, you know, waking up and the first temptation is now, you know, I want to connect, I want to yeah. engage, I want to see what's going on, yeah. rather than really looking. Uh, being introspective. And so there's that piece of it, just the, the pure mental energy that goes into that. Yep. But then the other piece of this too is, and man, I see this so much on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. It's the kind of posturing of, of I mean, it's ego, but it's basically like the posturing of credibility. It's here's my title. Here's what I've accomplished. Here's what I've done. And there's a lot of um, edging out in one-upsmanship that yeah. happens on social media. Absolutely. Where I think also sometimes people, they aren't willing to take a hard look at where they are at and being comfortable with that and letting that inspire them to stay hungry and move forward because yeah. instead it's it's, you know, let me tell you about what I've accomplished lately. And it's all about it's all about putting in front of you the I don't say the illusion of credibility because some of these people are credible, mm-hmm. but continuing to sort of feed the system of I'm achieving, I'm great, I'm doing it, rather than really drilling down and thinking about okay, you know, and it's the old expression, "What got you here won't get you there." Right. You know, I am doing some good work now, but man, I have to be I have to be focused on 
you know, six months from now, yeah. two years from now, 10 years from now. Um, and again, social media is a great tool, but it feels like it feels like in those two ways, it's really created this hiccup for aspiring leaders and especially people who are currently trying to manage their people. Yeah, I think, you know, social media to me is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that um, it, it it opens up and gives you access to so much more, so many more eyes, eyeballs and so many more people. But at the same time, if you're not able to maintain your narrative and your narrative may not necessarily be attractive for social media. And I think that's the challenge. So what happens is a lot of people put out a false narrative. You know, you and you hear the stories about the people that go out and take some money out of the bank and then put it on a bed or they go and rent these exotic <laughs> cars and these yeah. houses. I mean, that's real stuff. People mm-hmm. do that on a regular basis to attract attention. And it and it works if even for a, a small, a short moment, but it's fleeting. It's not mm-hmm. something that has uh, legs. It's substance. It's yeah. not, it doesn't have yeah. substance. And, and I think that's the challenge with social media. I think. Social media should be used to be as social as you can be and to figure out ways to help and engage other people. And I always like, you know, listening to, you know, people that talk about the use of social media. And there's only a few people out there that I think have it kind of figured out about the benefits of social media and how it should work. And, you know, I I love Gary Vaynerchuk because Gary Vaynerchuk could care less what you think about him. It's it's he's just he's getting out his message. And his message isn't for everyone. And he recognizes that. And he says it all the time. But he's never going to change from what he's trying to put out there. Mm -hmm. And he has a mission and he's following it and doing it. And if you don't like him or if you're offended by him or, you know, you only every now and then check into what he's doing because he doesn't he rubs you the wrong way. That's perfectly fine with him. And I think there are not enough people that look at it that way, that use social media from that perspective. If you're going to be social, be social. You may say some things that rub people the wrong way. You can't be politically correct 100% of the time and expect that everybody's just going to always yeah. love everything Not in today's culture. And no, and not, it's definitely not in today's yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I sometimes struggle with that, but I've, I have been reminded that, you know, as Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. And if you're not going to be true to yourself, nobody else is ever going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, you know, you talk about it all the time. You talk about your tribe of a thousand people. Mm-hmm. You know, Seth Godin has talked about that. Everybody mm-hmm. has a tribe. Yeah, right. And 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 honestly, I'd rather go down a road with a hundred people that just you know really get what I'm saying and really we relate with each other and we connect on a much deeper level because. I think that I can create a much more meaningful relationship with those hundred people than trying to be something to 50,000 or 100,000 people or 300,000 um, people that are following me on Instagram or whatever. Not that I have that that kind of number, but I'm just saying I'd rather have a small group of people where I have real relationship because that that to me would be the difference maker. So I just think that with social media, you know, you, you have to I think it's valuable but I also think that it, it needs to be stewarded properly. And I think a lot of people struggle in how they use it. And I think, I, I think specifically with social media, you know, it's not one size fits all. 
I think I think if you know, I mean, of course, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about being everywhere, and and it's kind of what he does anyway. So you would expect for him to do research into all the different types of social media that are out there and and have something to say about it. Mm-hmm. That's not my thing. So I've had to find social media that I really resonate with, and then I'll use those, and that's it. So I can't be all things to all people. Like I've tried to use Snapchat, I do use it some, but I'm just not there enough. I use Instagram, I use Twitter some, but I'm just not there enough, but I am. And then, you know, I use Facebook and I'm even just not there enough. So no TikTok. Um, I, I, I've started with TikTok cause my kids are on it, Yeah, yeah but I know Gary's uh, all in on it. Yeah. He's all in on TikTok and, yeah. and I get it. And I, and yeah. I, but you know, what I've done is like what Gary said, he talks about, and this is, this is actually good advice for anyone. Just do your research. Just, just watch what mm-hmm. other people are doing. Mm-hmm. What is resonating with people? Like I've watched you um, slowly evolve and grow your videos on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll share some of the same videos on Facebook, and and they really resonate. And I can tell by the comments that people are picking up. Before there were like five people looking at it, then there's four, yeah. and then now there's fifty people. Now you got a hundred people commenting on a video, and you know that's what you. I mean, that's what you want. You want to slowly de- evolve. And build on something so that you you can so that you have some stick to itiveness to it. Yeah, and I think what's strange about it too is like none of my content, and maybe you've had a similar journey. None of my content is like new to me. In right. The sense of it, it's like I didn't like oh last week and I learned this and so now, but it's like it's like um and, and this is so true in business in general. You know what you perceive as important isn't always what people are going to latch onto. Right. Right. And you're so right, man. It's because you know Facebook will say you know, hey, a year ago you posted this. And I was, and so I had something pop up and um, it, it wasn't bad. It was just more kind of generic life advice. It right. was like, you know, right. stay connected. Yeah. And like, I'm glad I posted it. But then I was like, man, I wonder why, like, why haven't I been talking about what I've always, because what I'm talking about now is what I've always been passionate about. But right. for whatever reason, getting on the platform, I was like, man, I don't really know what, I guess I'll post this. This seems like a good idea. And so. Yeah. That whole process of really finding your voice and doing your research like you talked about and really, and I think also something you mentioned too, I mean, really honing in on engagement rather than just, because a lot of people with, with social media, even beyond like the consistency piece, they're they're putting content out, but there is no real engagement. And right. just like you said, it's a... It's so a one-sided social, communication. Yeah, yeah. It's a social platform. Yeah. It's not, it's not a billboard. It's not a bulletin. Right. Right? And so right. I think... I think that's something that people really struggle to navigate because they're thinking, even again from a business perspective, well, man, I'm posting, but like it's not moving the needle because they aren't, they haven't thought about that that social piece and that engagement piece. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And even you know, just a, a little cliff note there, side note on, on this: if you are out there posting and and you're looking for like massive feedback. Um, before you respond, that's a huge mistake. I think you need to respond to each and every person that responds back to you. Even if they don't like your stuff, you should respond back and, and, and not not in a negative way, but just say, hey, thanks for the comments. We appreciate the feedback and go off from there. Be like a, uh, like water rolling off a, the back of a duck. But <laughs> but but I think that that you, you need because there's always going to be those. Hate. There's always going to yeah, be haters out totally. there. There's always going to be people out there that that aren't going to like your stuff. But it, but you need to make sure that you're engaging everyone to let them know, hey, this is what you know, this is what I think. And, and I've noticed that, you know, you've had some really well-timed 
um, you know, observations, if you will. And a lot of times it's nothing major, but it's just observations of things that I saw you post and, you know, you had some really good feedback and, and back and forth about, you know, what, you know, what certain things are like in the workplace and what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable in the workplace. And, you know, when, when, when employees aren't appreciated, what happens, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's, it's, those are the things that people need to be reminded of. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would imagine that the people that really resonated with those postings, resonated with it if either a they because they have experienced it or are going through it right now or they're a leader and they're trying to avoid running into those problems that right. t- typically happen um, especially when it comes to you know really taking t- the time to acknowledge and observe the people around you and be willing to you know give people their due as mm. opposed to um, you know never really saying anything which which is un- unfortunate and a lot of that you know, plays into how we lead. And and I think uh, nowadays with social media being what it is, we, you know, we, we are always on. So that, that is the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people, because you're always on, people are always looking for some type of response from you. So you have to kind of think of it that way. And that's, that's the double-edged sword of social media. Cause sometimes you want to be quiet and, you know, everybody's expecting, well, they haven't heard from you. So obviously Blake doesn't like this or he doesn't agree with that. And that could, couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. It could just mean that Blake's working on some stuff yeah. and he just doesn't have time <laughs> to deal with it because yeah. that's the only other, that's the only other thing. I mean, I look at my kids and that's the other piece of it that people need to understand is that each generation is going to bring a different appreciation to social mm-hmm. media and to leadership and communication. So like when you think of Gen Z, which is 97 to kids born 97 to 2012, you know, they totally I mean, they are the first native folks that grew up with all of this technology. Mm. Um, and and so they are looking at things differently. My kids struggle with the fear of missing out in a big way. That's huge. And so they always have to be engaged. I'm just like amazed. I'm like, man, how can you guys go back? If I had to, if I had to add it up, when I look at the 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 DMs for my son for, and he's 15 years old with his Instagram account, it's like off the charts. And I I thought I'd have to put a gun to my head if I had to communicate with somebody <laughs> that much. There's right. just no way that I would do that. But that's what Gen Z does. Now, millennials are somewhere like that, and I believe you're probably a millennial. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, and and that's like 82 to 96, somewhere yeah, around right. there. And then I'm Gen X, so you know we kind of deal with things differently, and we're like the last, we're like the first generation that can navigate on both sides of the table, meaning that we can engage those boomers, but we can also engage the the you know the millennials and the Gen Z because we understand it. We're like the first generation that ever had an email in college. Because like my mom, she didn't have any of that, and she's a she's a boomer. But um, and and so it's. I think it's just. I think you need to understand that each generation is going to be different and how they gravitate towards this. And but but I even with all that said, and I know I'm going down a slippery slope here. Even with all that said, I think it's important to understand that leadership is leadership, communication is communication. None of that stuff's ever going to change. Active listening is what it is. So if if you and 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 each generation is going to struggle with it differently. And I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see the dynamics that take place so that if you're a 35-year-old right now and 10 years from now, how are you going to be able to engage that, you know, that 25-year-old um, worker that's that's working under you that they don't they don't gravitate to anything that you're thinking about or mm-hmm. talking about because you don't maybe you don't even talk to them through the channel that they receive information. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, that's such a great insight because I, I remember actually I talked to a guy who 
And he, he didn't end up being a client of mine, but we were, we were kind of just, I was kind of getting his perspective on leadership because he was saying he's having some problems. And he made some comment that was basically like, well, you know, and it's funny because I am a millennial. And he was like, well, you know, millennials are just impossible to manage. And I kind of paused for a second and I thought, I thought, well, first of all, my ego. Yeah, yeah, I, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, those, well, those are them's fighting words. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But as I was reflecting on it later, I thought, I thought, okay, are, are we really hard to manage? Or, and, you know, and not, and here's the deal. I've heard stories, you know, hey, this is what, you know, it's like, this is what my millennial did. Right. And I, where I'm like, I cringe and I'm like, okay, that's, that's embarrassing. I can't believe that happened. I get it. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm almost like, I want to call that person and be like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. you're crushing us. Yeah. And so you're going to have that in all generations. Right. But, but here's what I was thinking about is, um, and, and H, not HBR, uh, Gallup put out a book called um, It's the Manager. Sure. Fantastic book. Just came out this last year. And the whole premise of the book is how leadership has evolved and flipped in the last 30, 40 years, yeah. whereas before, leadership as it was viewed was basically do my job to tell you what to do. Right. And that now it's more it's more of that coach and it's more of the my job's to it's to promote you and and to inspire you and not even like the emotional piece it's it's to show you how to do it so that just practically speaking it's delegated and I can focus on you know the business as a whole. And so the insight I took from that is yes there are there's challenges with every generation but I think more of the struggle is an unwillingness to adapt your leadership style. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a bunch of millennials and exactly what you just said, you're 45, you're 50 years old and you have this 22 year old who comes into the office. Are you willing, it even it's even personality style. Are you willing to communicate and lead in a way that is accessible to that person? Or is it, this is my ship to lead and you better, you know. <laughs> my way or the Yeah, highway. do it my way, yeah. you know, blend the way that I want you to blend with the organization. And, and I, I think that will work for some people, but I think it's why a multitude of bosses are frustrated is because they're, it's, you know, it's it's the new dog, but you're trying the old tricks or whatever the expression yeah. no, is. You're, you're not, right. You're not trying to adapt, learn, grow, and develop yourself. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, you're, you are, you, you basically described the biggest conundrum that that you know middle-aged leaders struggle with and i deal with it in the design industry but it's in every industry mm. and it's the same question how do i reach these people how do i connect with them well my first question is how do they like to be communicated with right because you think of it like when we work with clients and that's for anybody listening to this podcast when you work with a client if you don't take time to understand the client's method of communication then you have just struck out in rule number one of managing a client's expectations because you don't know what which what they respond to the most like for instance like you get you get po'd because maybe the client texts you on the weekend and that's their preferred method of communication well you need to know that i mean and i don't think we take enough time to understand so even on that side of the table when it's just you know you serving the need of your client you need to know how they prefer to communicate in the same way with the people that are you're employed with uh, that work with you, even the people that work for you. I get it. They work for you. That's fine. You can tell them to go. You can tell them to jump. They say how high. I get it. But you need to understand that they're people too and that they have certain expectations and ideas about what really what works. And I think there needs to be some kind of happy medium there where you engage these young people and you find out what, you know, what's the best way for you to communicate. I, I always tell this story about working with some young 
Gen Z kids. This was just like last year, and I couldn't believe it. I walked into an office where they're all three of them Gen Z, and two out of the three had their office phone in their in their desk. <laughs> they didn't even have it. And then yeah. I pulled it out, and like each each of them had like the beep, the the, the light on the voicemail was blinking. And I'm like, you yeah. know, that's your voicemail, right? Because I was trying to reach them, and then I realized, oh, you know what? I need to be calling you on your cell phone or I need yeah. to be texting you if I need something on your cell phone. Yeah. They respond faster that way. So instead of me saying, no, you need to use this phone and you need to check this voicemail so that you know if I need something, it was simply me just saying, oh, no, you know what? I need yeah. to fix how I connect with them. And then as soon as I started texting them, it was instant gratification. Yeah. Well, and, and here's here's the insight here is that it's we're not, we're not talking about – and I'm just going to grab like buzzwords that just are kind of obnoxious. We're not talking about snowflake culture. We're not talking about, you know, just just trying to assuage people who work for you. Right. It's it's understanding speed and agility. Mm -hmm. You know what what is faster? Because I'm sure you've seen this in the, in the design space. What is faster for me to change my communication style and just send a text or call the cell phone or what have you, and the problem solved and done? Yeah. Or to have to continuously go back and forth on, well, are you using your phone? Oh, you're not using your, okay, well, let's do some retraining. Well, let's yeah. do some. And sometimes they even see businesses who they're, it's like, it's like, man, it's like a, like a 1984, like it's a re-education camp. It's like, we're going to, exactly. we're going to spend a whole week walking you through this process. And I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're losing precious agility time. and time for your yeah, business. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's kind of like, what's funny, Gary Vee put out something maybe like six months ago. And he was talking about culture and he said, man, like, I don't get why we make culture so touchy feely. We're, we're talking about time. Yeah. What company moves faster? The one that's dealing with internal politics or the one that has, you know, everyone's on the same page. We get it. We're, we're pinging. I mean, it's, it's not, we're not talking about soft skills here. We're talking about your ability to stay competitive right. and bring along the people you need to actually go out and make the, make the impact you need to. Yeah. And, and, and my point simply with that would, would and in my retort to everyone that would listen and say, yeah, but I would say to you, yes, but you cannot get more time. It is the one resource that we, we just don't have enough of. You can always make more money. You can within an organization, you can always course correct if you make certain mistakes. But if you don't, you can never get time back. Mm -hmm. And when you go down a rabbit hole and, and when you try to be right as you can be and you want everybody else to know that you're right, then that can be problematic. Mm -hmm. And I, I was always taught that you can. And this was from a young age that you, a, you have to learn to work with other people. And what does that mean? That means you just have to be able to communicate with them and understand them. And then as I got older, I would read people like uh, Brene Brown and others and talk about just the simple fact that while you don't have to agree with everybody in their from where they come from and all that other stuff, you you have to look a person in their face and, and, and get a better understanding of who they are. And I think not enough leaders do that. Not mm. enough leaders really have looked a lot of their people, their the people that are under their charge in their face and and really understood where they come from mm -hmm. and operate with a level of empathy that we just don't always, there's not, just not enough empathy in the leadership space like it should be. Those leaders that are, that are hyper successful, I would be willing to bet that a lot of them probably operate with a level of empathy that, that just isn't practiced every day in every organization. And I think that's, a, that's, that's, it, it's, it's really, un, it's miss, it's, you know, you misunderstand your people mm. and it's just, I think it's just really unfortunate. So, well, in your, your, 
it's it's a patience to be a, be willing to build the relationship. Yeah. Which you know, going back to social it's media, work. it is work. <laughs> it is work. Social media is work. Though. Yeah. Even that. I mean, it's it's all. I mean, everything that we're just everything that we're talking about, and we're going in a, a couple of different directions. Everything requires work. Being a great leader requires work. Being a great communicator requires work. Being an active listener requires work. Asking somebody open-ended questions until the cows come home, a lot of people don't want to do it, but it's required if you really want to know what somebody else thinks. Mm. But a lot of people don't know how to do that. And I mean, that's just, I mean, that's like communication 101. And people aren't taking the time to develop those skills um, because it just seems like a lot of work. But mm-hmm. all of this is a lot of work. What we're doing here is a lot of work. All the preparation, everything that goes into this to to, to create something um, and, you know, with ones and zeros that we put out digitally that, you know, we're hoping that that affects the world. But, you know, heck, heck, maybe 12 people listen to it. But you know what? If we reach one of those 12 people and it changes everything or it causes them to come back to their organization and fundamentally change the culture of that organization, game over. Yeah, <laughs> we want right. I mean, that's the whole idea, and that's yeah. that's the message certainly that I would share with anyone that's trying to get their word out there is that you 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 may not move a thousand, you may not move ten thousand, but if you just move a hundred, you move ten, fifty, you know, that's sometimes the right person. You move the right person, it makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. It really does. Powerful. So, yeah. yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. So you know, just just since we're running out of time, there's still one other thing I wanted to ask you about real quick. Um, we mentioned a little bit, and we got onto it a little bit a second ago. Just the the power of building relationships. Obviously, it's it's a direct correlator with your ability to succeed yeah. as a business owner, even especially on social media, which can be very transactional. Mm-hmm. I want to talk just for a second about the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Sure. And man, I, it's what's so funny about that podcast is the excitement I get of seeing a brand who's coming on a brand that I love. Right. Or I'm like, whoa, hang on. I need to listen to this. Cause like you had uh, John Allen from uh, Onyx coffee. Right. And, uh, and I love, I'm, I'm addicted. <laughs> I, and I so love Onyx too. <laughs> there's this excitement around like, whoa, okay, hang on. That's I want to really tune in on this because I've always wanted to feel one step more connected to that business. Right, right. And so I'm part of me is just uh, you know sort of this whimsical admiration. I'm like, man, how did he get that person on the podcast? You and just knowing I know this is true, but man, you come across as someone who you re- you build relationships very well. Yeah, and it's not transactional. It's not superficial. Um, you know. Walk me through that just a little bit. I mean, how how have you done that? I Man, how have you got such great guests on your podcast? What's so, that look like? So I think I inherited a little bit. I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't say I have a ton of charisma, but I think I inherited some of that from my dad. And I always saw my dad. I mean, nobody ever told my dad no, and he just knew. He just had a way about him in engaging with people. And then my grandfather, my mother's father always taught me to treat people right. And I was that kid that would go with my grandfather to the bank and he knew the bank manager, he knew the bank teller, but he also knew the bank manager and he had built a relationship with him. And he he taught me early on that you, you know, you, you take time to get to know people. He knew the bank teller's kids. He knew the wife. He knew when their anniversary was. He knew all this stuff. And it's like, you know, why does any of that matter? And as a young kid, I didn't understand it until I got older. And now I realize just the importance of relationships. And it's not so much about what can somebody do for you, but it's just making a connection because we, you know, we live in an environment where we are constantly listening to the station WIIFM, what's in it for me. 
And that is that we all struggle with that, right? We're all constantly listening to that right, that same station. But the minute that you connect with somebody where you know that they genuinely care about what you're doing, why you're doing it, why your mother's in the hospital, you know, why you're why you're you know struggling in this area, or why you're dealing with these financial difficulties, and someone's really willing to have real conversation with you, uh, I mean, it makes it makes a huge difference. And so I've tried to leverage that ability. Some of it is intuitive, but a lot of it is just skill, the skill of understanding that, I mean, we, we live in a world where a lot of people are hurting, but a lot of people just need an encouraging word. Mm-hmm. And so I have found simply, and a lot of people just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I can, I can point to people, we, we're in a library right now, and I could point to 10 people, eight out of those 10 people just want to be heard. There's two that are just like, ah, I don't care, but I'm focusing on the eight. I'm actually focusing on all 10 of them, but the eight is is really what matters to me because if you can create an opportunity and a platform for mm-hmm. those people to be heard, then it makes all the difference in the world. And I've just leveraged I Am Northwest Arkansas to do that. And honestly, as I've told everybody, Blake, nobody turns me down to be on this podcast. So I wasn't surprised when John Allen from Onyx came on. I wasn't surprised when the folks at Crystal Bridges was like, yeah, we want to be on there. I've had Scott's family, Amazium, Matt Cooper from The Preacher's Son. I could go on and on of all these people. And yeah, some of them are kind of important people in our area. um, But I'm also just talking with regular folks Mm -hmm. and just learning their story and and what makes them special because everybody's got a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of weave that into you know their their stake here in northwest arkansas because i do think that this is a special place not that it's more special than any other part of the country but i just i i I find it interesting that you know back in the day if you know your history st louis was the gateway to the west so when you if you were to come here in the in the middle 1800s you were pretty much in the wild wild west when you got to the the corner of northwest arkansas where it borders kansas missouri um, Arkansas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This was the Wild West. But you look at what's happened in this area in a very short period of time, less than 140 years. And it has. And then, of course, you have iconic individuals like Sam Walton that that laid the foundation here for what we now know as Walmart and everything else that has grown out of here. J.B. Hunt, Tyson. I mean, there's just a lot of really interesting things happening here. And the, And the last thing I will say is that the level of giving that I've experienced here, and I've been in a lot of other major markets where there's a lot of philanthropic movement, but but people eat, sleep, and drink philanthropy here in Northwest Arkansas. And it's not to put it on a pedestal, but it does speak volumes to me that people legitimately care about other people. And, you know, the, you know, the famous story that was... Um, there was a story about a preacher and they 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 interviewed they they asked him to write down what what just if he had to write down just one word what would that one word be and he wrote others it was always about other people mm-hmm. it was never about you and i think that that i've tried to capture the essence of that and i am northwest arkansas i'm northwest arkansas is not about randy i just happen to be a conduit to share these stories whether it's your story or somebody else's story. So I've just counted it a real blessing to have that opportunity to be able to do that. And in, and, I, and I believe in sharing other people's stories and engaging them at that level, when you can tell somebody else's story, um, you build relationship. Real relationship is built there. So whether I'm doing that or whether somebody listening to this is doing it in the workplace where they have three people under them, you need if you aren't capable or able to tell the three stories of the people that work for you, you got some work to do. 
period, end of story. You need to know people like that. And that's the one reason why people won't fight traffic for managers or leaders or won't take a bullet for them. There's a difference. If a leader is not willing to be bloodied, willing to take a hit for the team, um, willing to show that, that their vulnerability, then they miss out on so much. And in any organization, if you see the highest performing teams, you show me those high, high performing teams and I'll show you somebody that's probably leading them with a level of empathy and a level of relationship building um, that you don't always see in every organization. And I think it's important. You have to have that. Mm. Powerful so, challenge. Yeah, it listeners. is. Absolutely. <laughs> I know it's not easy, but yeah. trust me, the, the end result is worth it. And whatever happens, I'll, I'll end with this, whatever happens with I Am Northwest Arkansas and Encourage Build Grow, either of these podcasts or whatever I'm doing in the consulting space, that's all great. My goal is just to make a difference in the lives of a couple of people. If I can do that, then the rest of it is done. I may not. I may never reach thousands. I, you know, I, I think about we're recording this a couple of days after Kobe Bryant died. And I think the thing about it is sometimes we lose sight of the impact that that one person can make. I mean, literally one person. I get it. He's one of the greatest people to ever play basketball. But when you start to look at and I've been reading the responses from all over the world, the impact that he had on him. And it was people that never knew him. I saw him play a couple of times in person. I was always amazed by his work habits and his work ethic. And if there was, and, and that's what I was telling my kids that like, you know, people talk about that Mamba mentality. That's real. That's real, real. You have it in what you're doing. You're getting that mentality. You're getting this stuff out. You're sharing as much information as you can with the widest audience that will listen to you. I, I feel like I, I have it at times, but I mean, that's a real thing and, and, and take it for what it's worth. Use, utilize that example. And it's sad that at 41 years of age, he's gone. But but his his presence still lives on clearly and a lot of other people and his mentality still lives on. Mm -hmm. And as sad as we can be uh, at the story and, it, and I'm still grieving over it and I didn't even know the guy. Um, I just realized that, man, in 41 years, he left an indelible mark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, other people will be able to take up the mantle and run with it. Mm -hmm. like Everyone's LeBron. capable of that impact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and again, you know, you can have a mob mentality and impact three people, but it can be a game changer. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So Powerful stuff, man. Well, Randy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast oh, it's, today. It's been my pleasure. W Thank you. What's the best? What's the one thing that people <laughs> need to go do right now to stay engaged with you? Uh, they can check me out at um, Randy at EncourageBuildGrow.com, just like it sounds. Um, you can also check me out online at EncourageBuildGrow.com and I am NorthwestArkansas.com. And you can follow me on any social media at Randy Wilburn. That's Love it. it. Yeah. Well, Randy, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. For the listeners, absolutely follow up. I'll put those links in the podcast description. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Blake, at GoodAdviceCoaching.com. Also, you can leave a review for the podcast. Give us a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. And feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. We will catch you next time. Enjoy your week. I'll see you later.